Whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 85. 85 episodes, guys. Thank you for coming with me on this bounce back from episode 84. It's done well. We've gained a couple subscribers, so keep that momentum going. Share the show. Share this podcast. There's a lot to talk about today. Well, I'm going to start with Nick Saban and talk about kind of where the path of college football is headed as a whole. And then we'll dive into the Boston Celtics bouncing back in game two, blowing the brakes off of the Miami Heat. But also why Miami shouldn't be worried, but it needs a sense of urgency going into Boston and why it's going to be a battle. And we'll talk a little bit about the Mavericks if we have time at the end. So you're everyone's a little guilty of doing this. You're, you get frustrated sometimes when things aren't working out your way, and especially when you're really good at something, you tend to feel like, hey, a lot of this is going my way. Why isn't it now? And Texas A&M has really had a strong recruiting class, one of the best in history. And so a lot of people, especially with NIL coming out, a lot of these new deals, the transfer portal has been insane. People are making deals, earning money, which is the new state of college football, which is fine. That part's fine. So last night, I'm in bed and I'm on Twitter and I'm just kind of going through my routine to kind of just get tired, fall asleep. And I come across a, come across a very interesting little little tweet and it's talking about Jackson State so for those who don't know with the whole Jackson State Deion Sanders thing Deion Sanders has transformed an HBCU known as Jackson State down in Mississippi bringing kids like uh, Shiloh Sanders Shador Sanders mainly the Sanders kids highlight this stuff but they're bringing brought in recently Travis Hunter who was a standout in Georgia high school football we talked to actually Collins Hill head coach one of the Collins Hill coaches in Chip Holloway about Travis Hunter and how he was an instrumental to their success it was a huge pickup. He was originally committed to Florida State. He ended up transferring over to Jackson State, flipping his commitment, and it was one of the craziest bounces, one of the craziest switches I've ever seen with recruiting in college football. So you have that in one spot, and there's a lot of rumors floating around that he potentially took a deal to go over there. I'm not going to comment on the validity of those, but I'm just going to say it's out there. And with Saban... <laughs> The titan of college football, Nick Saban, is one of the greatest coaches ever in any sport in general. So when he has something to say, people listen. People will be very close. People pay very close attention to that. And he came out, and he was furious. He was throwing punches. He was like a fighter. He just came out there saying, well, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And everyone was like, oh, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. So the college football world this morning completely blew up. And he started to take shots at Texas A&M, saying how – those players are being paid over there, how Alabama hasn't paid at all, which is, might be a little naive in that sense. But talking about how this is the reason he said, well, there's a reason why Texas A&M is the number one class. It's not because of fish or anything like that. It's because they paid him. It's because they bribed him over there, insinuating some form of cheating, some form of just not doing things the morally right way, if you want to put it like that. And it was a very interesting thing for me just to kind of watch how it unfolds and how he owed Jimbo Fisher was. This is where college football is at right now. It is when the greatest, one of the great, the greatest coach in college football, that's undisputable. One of the greatest coaches ever. That'd be like Belichick coming out and saying, hey, I don't like how, how the NFL is running things and calls out maybe the Dolphins. He's like, maybe the Dolphins did something to get Tyreek Hill besides trading him to a good spot. It, it's something like that. So Saban comes out, P.O.'d, coming, taking shots at Texas A&M. And so Jimbo Fisher, 
you're Jimbo Fisher. You clearly don't like that. <laughs> you come out and you're taking shots at Saban, calling him a narcissist and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, MTV college football. This is the way it is. But I look back on a year ago when this whole thing started. A certain coach called Dabo Sweeney was saying this system is not perfect. The way we're running things right now, college football is going in a very interesting place. And I'd have to agree with Dabo in a certain way. I've talked to guys on the podcast like Bo Collins, Marcus Tate, Bear Carter about these about this NIL stuff, and they all have different things to say about it. And they've used it in different ways. They've approached it in different ways. So it's really interesting to see how things pan out. But for me, college football needs to find a stability. They need to find an anchor and stick to it. There's a lot of moving parts right now, and this is part of it. When you're, one of your greatest coaches are coming out and saying something like this, there's a definite issue that needs to be fixed. Not saying Saban is necessarily right about Texas A&M, but just how things have unfolded. It is insane how things have just kind of progressed. The last year and a half, it felt like it was going to kind of stay, stabilize and fix itself in a way and kind of be the new normal. But it's an interesting environment when receivers like Jordan Addison could just transfer like that, when Quinn Ewers can take a million dollars to go to Ohio State. Not Ohio State wasn't paying him, but it was an NIL deal that shipped into Ohio state. And now he's back in Texas, that back and forth that's for really for the NFL. And I know college football is moving towards more of a professionalism type league, not really a league, but the idea of a student athlete is kind of getting lost in a businessman. How do they balance that? So the NCAA really needs to figure out a solution. They can't have their market coach coming out and firing shots at guys like this. It'll make the games for fans more entertaining, but in terms of the professionalism of the league with the coaches, the staff members, we need to find a way to keep it in check and keep it in a balance. Because I think there's certainly a problem that Nick Saban's addressed, that there's there's something to it. It's not Nick Saban's not crazy. He's certainly not just saying these things to just say these things because he's a smart guy. He's been around the block a few times and he's seen college football go through various changes. He's been there. He's been here with LSU. He's been around in the NFL. He's been in the football world for a long time. So there's a lot to what he's saying. I'm not saying he's completely right. And I'm not saying Texas same didn't anything shady. I don't know. I don't have all the information. I'm just a guy with a microphone in my bedroom and trying to talk to you guys who are willing to listen. And it's interesting to really cover because college football is one of my favorite things to talk about with you guys. So to see it go through this kind of dramatic change, it's fun for me to be able to talk about, but it's interesting to see how it plays out. I really am, I really am curious to see what you guys think about this beef. I'm not going to title it beef. I might do a Sim, Saban versus Fisher and be like, ooh, kind of something like that. I think it might might be my thumbnail, (laughs) but I really enjoyed it. I'm really curious to see how it pans out. Jimbo Fisher said their relationship is over, so he's breaking up with Saban. They're no longer going to be chummy on those sidelines. Alabama is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm sure they're going to be on the revenge tour, so it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm excited. I know you guys are. If you're you're watching the show, you're a big sports fan, so – you're ready to go as much as I am. I cannot wait for August for really these plans. If you want me to bring back some players to kind of preview this stuff and talk about it, really get their thoughts, I'll do it. Just let me know. I'm open to whatever for the summer for sure. Okay. <laughs> Need to transition to my second big thing of the night. Okay. So you see that. You do. If you're listening on the radio or you're listening to Spotify, you do know where my allegiance stands with certain teams. So tonight was a really nerve a nerve-wracking start because you have – Oh, you're down 1-0 in any series. You're on the road. The momentum is clearly not on your side. And there's a certain desperation. And that can go one or two ways. I've seen desperation go where a team chucks a, a bunch of shots and it doesn't work out. 
and I've seen it in Boston's case tonight where it completely works out. They play team basketball. They hit all the right shots. They're making all the right plays defensively, offensively, Tatum, Brown, Williams, Horford, Smart, all clicking on certain directions, all firing on those right cylinders. It was so great to see. And at the same time, I don't think Miami, if you're a Miami fan watching, if you're one of my friends who decided to clown on me in game one and you're here, like what happened? (laughs) Well, again, it is a seven game series for a reason. Miami is one of the best teams in the league for a reason. Jimmy Butler is one of the most underrated players in the league. I'm not saying he's under, he's undervalued for a reason, but he's one of the better players that doesn't get enough love. And you're going to see why he's going to be able to lead his team. He'll be able to get them together. So guys, this stuff happens. We're going to be able to rebound from this, take a one step at a time type of mentality, especially now that the home court advantage is with Boston. They're going to be able to have three, four, and six in TD garden. It's going to be loud. It's going to be obnoxious. You know how Boston fans can be. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. There are three things I look for in these next couple games that'll determine the series. One, can Boston stay consistent offensively? Can they find work without Tatum? Two, how does the shooting of Struess, Vincent, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero, how does that impact the series? If they can come out in game three against Boston and make those shots consistently, it's going to be really tough for Boston to keep a pace because then they can dish it out to Jimmy Butler, Bam, Bam Adebayo, who really hasn't made an impact on the series yet, mainly because he hasn't been called on it for it. And for game one, obviously, Miami took care of business in that third quarter. They came out super strong and aggressive, and Boston didn't know how to handle it. And Jimmy Butler was completely phenomenal. I've really never seen a playoff performance like that where somebody can get to the line that consistently, and me as a fan go, well, yeah, that, that, that should be a foul. So it was really impressive to see how he's done it. I haven't watched a ton of Miami, but when I always watch Miami in the regular season, I was impressed. I was engaged. Eric Spolstra is a fantastic coach. Pat Riley runs a fantastic program. We know this. So I expect a battle in game three for Boston. I expect the energy to keep the Celtics in it. I think Miami is a team. Both of these teams play such great team ball. And when it's oiling together, when it's coming all together like that, they cannot be stopped. And it's something really impressive to see. I'm looking forward to seeing Tatum and Jimmy Butler having that duel, that superstar battle. I'm looking forward to see how Ime and Eric Spolstra make adjustments. And let's talk about Ime Udoka for a second. Because back in January, there was a lot of people, including me, who did not think this guy was cut for the Boston Celtics and cut out for the NBA. And the adjustments that they've made, letting Marcus Smart be the primary point guard, let him set up the plays, let him dictate how this team performs. It's been so much better for him than being a spot-up shooter, having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, not necessarily wanting to put it on themselves, but finding open men, Pritchard, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, not having to do it all themselves, really challenging the team. In the game one post-game press conference, he called out his team. He said Jalen and Jason did not do what they needed to do to get us the win. That's why we struggled in the third quarter. Not a lot of first-year head coaches have the stones to be able to say that to their franchise players. I certainly wouldn't. It's why they're here today. They don't have thin skin. They're able to hear it, take that criticism, and use it as momentum to go forward. It reminds me of a young a younger, not in terms of age, but experience, Eric Spolstra, a guy that can keep his team together, plays really sound basketball as a whole, and runs a fantastic program. It is basically seeing a spitting image of it. It's really fun to watch, and it's really great basketball. I know the games haven't been as entertaining, but guys, don't worry. I guarantee you there's going to be a classic here. Maybe it's game three. Maybe it's game five. Maybe it's back in game seven when it's deciding the NBA finals. These games are exciting. It's going to be really interesting to watch. 
And before we wrap things up, and I know these podcasts tend to be shorter, but in this time, there's not as much to talk about, not as much to cover. So I don't want to kind of drag things out if it's not really worth it. And it makes it easy for you guys to watch because it's shorter. So call it a podcast, call it a mini-sode. We can do mailbag soon. But I want to give my thoughts on Mavericks and how they kind of came down to earth with Golden State. For me, Golden State, usually you associate them with three-pointers, splash, all this stuff. And I know they were phenomenal in game one. But they feel like they're playing a certain type of basketball in a different way. They don't feel like the Warriors of old where they could just stand by the logo, chuck up a lot, bunch of shots, and it was game over. Because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were that good. They're having to kind of change how they are. They're getting older. They're getting more experienced. They're, it's more like the, the guy that knows how to run out of bounds as a running back. The Warriors are playing a different style of basketball, but it's still working. And it's weird to explain, and maybe I need to watch more basketball. Maybe you're going to put down in the comments that it's not true. They're shooting the same amount of three-pointers as they were in 2015, 2016, 17. It's just different. They took off this two-year hiatus where they're out of the playoffs, and now they're back. I still stand by my Celtics Warriors pick. I think both will win in six. So it's it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. I think Luka and this team are going to bounce back just because they're here for a reason. They beat that really talented Suns team to get to the conference finals. They're here for a reason, and they'll figure it out for sure. But I think Golden State, the experience and the talent, it's going to trump all. And I think the defense of Boston is going to get them to the finals, and the Golden State experience is going to get them to the finals, and that's going to collide for a really fun series to wrap up the basketball season. So that'll be fun to cover for sure. Okay, guys, that wraps up episode 85 of the Man with the Plan podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys enjoyed watching. Subscribe wherever it is that you're tuning in maybe it's youtube maybe it's spotify apple comment below what you want to see tell your friends about us let's reach a new goal let's get six thousand listeners out there really excited let's keep this going this podcast is back it's summer i'm enjoying it it's just it's just a lot of fun little audible cliche fist pump for you guys but thanks as always for tuning in if you stuck this far through the episode you're a real one and i love you love you appreciate you all right guys thank you as always take care have a great weekend